morning, LifePoint. So glad to have you here to worship the Lord with us this morning. Come on back, find your seat. It's awesome to hear the chatter in church. Good to be here with you all today. If you are uh, new and visiting with us this morning, uh, we'd love to connect with you, build a relationship with you if you wouldn't mind. Uh, just texting the word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Just follow the prompts and uh, we would love to send a gift to you in the mail if you're watching online or if you're here this morning. Hopefully you got that gift this morning. If not, uh, someone would love to give you a gift on your way out these doors uh, by the welcome table. But uh, so good to be back with you. Uh, Galatians 3, I'm going to turn your attention right to the Word of God this morning. Uh, Galatians chapter number 3, we'll have the scripture uh, up on the screen for you to follow along as we kind of dive into the Word of God this morning. But I do want to start and just say a big thank you to all of you for uh, praying for our family. If you uh, subscribe to our email list, you know of uh, my wife's uh, recent diagnosis with uh, uh, cancer, and uh, we're working through that. But super appreciative of all of you for, uh, my goodness, the meals. Like, I told Christine, like, okay, we need recipes from all of these people. <laughs> Because uh, it's like there's some really good food out there. So, uh, so appreciate your prayers, your texts, your support. Um, yeah, just very, very grateful for uh, all of you during this time. Uh, we're humbled. We're usually on the giving end. <laughs> we're not often on uh, the receiving end. And so it's uh, a humbling experience for us. And I'm going to try to <laughs> make it through the service. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't even get through the first, <laughs> first few seconds. Can we just go to scripture, right? Like, if we could just do that, I'd be, I'd be great. Um, yeah, you know, um, never want to pretend, um, and I've told many of you that, that have kind of come to the house, you know, like, how are you doing? Well, obviously, um, I'm doing the best I can, right? Um, I, I'd like to believe that on this rock of faith, um, that on this pasture that, like, you know, it doesn't affect me, but it does. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's not easy. Um, but there are lessons, and I want to share those lessons with you. Um, I want to encourage you, because we've been encouraged, uh, even though it's challenging and it's difficult to kind of walk through these roads. Man, God has just been faithful. And uh, many of you have said, like, what can we do? Um, and we've just said, your prayers um, are huge. Um, and we've really, uh, we've really felt that um, just over the course of the you know, past few weeks. And God is just, man, I, I, the grace, like, I think, I think the lessons that you learn uh, through hardships need to be shared, right? And like, uh, I think in ministry as a pastor, your life is kind of on display, right, for everyone to see. Um, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, and we want to share just kind of like what God is doing and, and what God is teaching us uh, in these moments. And let me just share before we get to Galatians 3, just a few things I think that, that are important and, and that God has just constantly been reiterating over and over uh, in our hearts and our lives. And, and the, the first thing is really just his grace. Like, I, I, I don't think we understand grace until we go through trials, right? Like, we don't understand uh, God's abundant, daily, renewed, uh, sufficient grace until we go through some kind of hardship in life. It's just, it's just how it works. And in fact, I was reminded of uh, really the Apostle Paul. And, you know, Paul had this infirmity of, of his flesh, right? He had this, whatever it was, we don't know. It could have been a vision impairment, could have been some other ailment. And three times, I mean, he desperately goes before the Lord and just like, God, you know, like, you know, rid me of this, you know, uh, heal me of this, whatever, whatever it was. 
And, and God's response is not really the response we want to hear, right? Because when we're going through hardship and trials in life, we just want it to be over, right? We just want to come out the other side of that, that trial, that struggle. But God responds to, to Paul in the midst of that request, in the midst of that, that plea in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's up on the screen here for you to you see as well. My grace is sufficient. And like over and over, God's like constantly, constantly reminding of us, hey, my grace today, right now in this moment is sufficient for you. Uh, and we felt that. I mean, just through your prayers and, and uh, your support that God is just constantly saying, hey, look, just rest in my grace, rest in the sufficiency of my, my power. And so that's one thing that, that God has really been uh, teaching, at least me kind of through this. The other thing that God uh, keeps reminding me of, and it's kind of like, um, I don't know um, how to be, even explain it, but um, it's a verse in, in Jeremiah. And this is a verse that uh, years ago, some 20 plus years ago, uh, when I was sitting in my intro to biblical counseling class, and, and, and it was, that was an intro class. I always try to remind people I'm not an expert at counseling. I just had the intro class. That's all I had. So, you know, um, don't expect, you know, great professional counsel. Um, anyways, but one of the verses that we studied uh, in that class was this verse in Jeremiah. And all throughout my life, I mean, this verse has been such a counsel to me and an encouragement to me, especially during times of trial and difficulty. And the verse is this, and it's in Jeremiah chapter 12 in verse 5. And, and this is God speaking to Jeremiah, and I'll give you a little context here in just a moment. But, but God says to Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and they've wearied you, how will you compete with horses? In some versions, it, it talks about with footmen. And excuse me, there's kind of this like battle scene and this battle mentality. Like if you've been on the battlefield, and you're, you know, hand-to-hand combat with soldiers, and, and you're, you've done that, um, what are you going to do when the horses come, or what are you going to do when the chariots come? And then he goes on to say, and if in a safe land you're so trusting, uh, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? You might be wondering, what on earth does this have to do with anything? Well, Jeremiah was at a place in his life where he was just really questioning God. Uh, he was distraught over uh, the situation happening in Israel. I mean, if you know him, he's the weeping prophet, and he's just like, torn over the distress of his own nation and the wickedness and the evil. And God's like, hey, if they don't repent, I'm going to judge them. And Jeremiah's trying to speak this message and, and nobody's listening to him, right? And, and so Jeremiah gets to this point, God, how long will the land mourn? In verse number four, if you look at the context later, he says, God, how long will the land mourn? God, how long are we going to go through this trial? How long is the evil going to just like run rampant in my nation? Have you ever asked God that before? God, how long, you know, do I have to go through this trial? And when is it going to end? Well, that's where Jeremiah was at. And in the midst of that, uh, God speaks these words to Jeremiah. And again, it's like, it's, God, it's really not what I want to hear. <laughs> you know, it's not what I want to hear, but it's the truth. And the truth for Jeremiah was this, like, Jeremiah, look, if you can't stand with me, if you can't stand with me on the battlefield with a footman, what are you going to do when they roll out the chariots? Right, like modern day vernacular, what are you going to do when they roll out the tanks, right? What are you going to do when they roll out the heavy artillery? And, and, and the, the meaning behind all of it is that, Jeremiah, you have to be faithful and trust me in the small moments of life so that when the big moments come, you'll be able to stand, and God is just like, Jeremiah 12, 5, John, Jeremiah 12, 5, John. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, you can stop, I hear it, right? 
But these are lessons that God is teaching us. In every moment, every experience of our lives that we walk through, good and bad, God is teaching us, will you trust me? Will you rest in my grace? Will you, will you stand in this battle? Because there's going to be a greater battle and a greater fight. And we're all going to experience those moments in our lives where uh, our faith is going to be tested, right? And our faith is going to be uh, hopefully strengthened. Well, those are uh, some lessons I think it's just important to kind of uh, share with you um, this morning, but it, I think it relates really well to what we're going to see in Galatians chapter 3 uh, this morning. If you're new to LifePoint, we started a, a series in the book of Galatians a few weeks back. Um, we're going to be in it for quite a long time, I think, just given the pace. I told somebody this morning, uh, it's good to, good to see you. It's good to be here. I don't know if I'll be here next week because uh, my trend has been like, I'm, I'm here a week and then I get sick or I'm here a week and then something else happens. So I don't know what's going to happen next week, but Lord willing, I'm planning on being here. Um, so that's just kind of been you know, the road that we have been on, but uh, we're going to be in, the, in this book for uh, a while now. But it, it's, it's such an important book for us. Um, you say, well, isn't the whole Bible? Yeah, it is. But I think this is such a timely book for us today in the, in the church in modern, uh, modern day America. Uh, it's a book about the gospel. Uh, it, it's a book about the defense of the gospel. It's a book about uh, really exposing the lies that would hinder and thwart the one true gospel. This is first century and they're already having lies that are, that are thwarting the gospel. And, and obviously we can relate to that today because the gospel is being attacked, right? And we need to stand for the gospel. And this is what Paul did. Uh, this is who he was. I mean, if you look at Paul's life and you see all the things he experienced in his life, you know that Paul, if you were to put a title on his, you know, on his life, you would say Paul, the defender of the gospel. Paul, the preacher, the proclaimer, and the defender of the gospel. This was his life. He lived a life defending the gospel. And so Galatians is this book that was written to a group of Gentiles. If you're unfamiliar with Galatians, it's not one church. And so like other uh, letters of Paul that were written directly to a church, this is a letter that's written to multiple churches. Paul, uh, in, in Acts, he really, uh, you see his missionary journeys, he evangelized this area. Uh, it's really the southern region of Galatia. And uh, these people heard the gospel, they believed and churches were birthed. And that's a wonderful thing, amen? Wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, but it didn't take long, right? It didn't take long for false teachers to really begin to infiltrate uh, all of these churches and begin to preach a false gospel, a false message, a gospel that really was based upon works, right? You gotta work your way uh, to salvation. And so essentially these people were saying, were saying this to these Galatians, look, Paul's gospel, it's not enough. Like, it's good, you know, we believe it. It, 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 we agree on some of those things, Jesus and his resurrection, that's good, and all of those kinds of things, but it's not enough. You need to do more. You need to become a Jew. And so this, this teaching, this idea that, that you need to add to your salvation, that you need to become a Jew, you need Jewish tradition, you need Jewish law, you need uh, Jewish circumcision, all of, this, all of these things, these people are deceiving the very church of God. And, and that's really something that has gone on for centuries, is it not? Continues to go on. Uh, where the gospel is being twisted, where false gospels, false messages, uh, of course, are uh, infiltrating our world today. And it's really this idea of works-based salvation. And you see it in so many different religious systems today. Uh, and guess what? 
There's a lot of unsuspecting Christians, and there's a lot of unsuspecting non-Christians who are buying into uh, the lies of these false messages. And so I, I wanna just kind of sober your mind to the reality of what we're dealing with. Because a false gospel leads people not to salvation, right? A false gospel doesn't lead someone to a place of repentance and faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we're literally talking about life and death here, right? That life and death with the souls of men and women. And so this is a huge, huge issue. The gospel must be defended. Uh, the lies need to be exposed. And this is what Paul uh, is doing here in the book of Galatians. And, and I want to remind you, a couple of weeks back, we kind of left off, uh, at least when I was here, we left off with that idea that we are defenders of the gospel. And I want to remind you of that again this morning, that, that you just being here is not enough. That you just being like, hey, I'm a Christian and I go to church is not enough. Like, we need to be uh, active in our communities, in our world today, and we need to not only expose the lies, but defend and proclaim the one true most important message, right, in all this world today. It's not COVID, it's not uh, po politics, it's not the border, it's not any of those things. Those are important things. But the most important thing, the one thing that changes lives is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's not ever forget that, church, right? Let's not ever forget that. And so this was Paul's life, and this is really what our life is supposed to be as well. And so let's move on, and, and, and let's get into chapter three. Uh, and it, it really only intensifies, the book does, uh, as you get further and further into this book, it just like Paul's language kind, kind of intensifies, and, and his defense of the gospel really intensifies. And so we're gonna read verses one through five, and we're really just gonna spend time uh, in the first few verses of this chapter. And so read along with me, starting in verse number one. Uh, Paul says this, O foolish Galatians, great way to start a letter, isn't it? Like, you fool, right? Um, hopefully you don't start your letters that way. Um, you might, like on social media, you know, that happens a lot. I have to be careful, very careful. It's been a while, so um, I can be snarky, but. O foolish Galatians, um, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Uh, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, let me ask you only this verse two. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing uh, with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if, if indeed it was in vain? Uh, in verse five, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works uh, miracles among you, um, does he do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so Paul's gonna be asking some really, really important questions, but here's what we're gonna focus in on, and this is really gonna encapsulate uh, this week and next week as well, but this is what we're gonna focus in on, uh, and that is, is that the Holy Spirit is the key. Uh, that I, I want you to know the Holy Spirit, when it comes to combating lies, when it comes to standing for the gospel, listen to me, when it, when it comes to living successfully for God, and navigating our hardships, and navigating uh, the difficulties that we face in life, the key to living successfully for God is living and walking in the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna talk about that uh, this week and next week. And uh, we're really gonna answer some questions. Uh, we're gonna look at some questions, essentially, that Paul is asking the Galatians here to consider. Uh, and they relate to this, this aspect, that Paul is going to elevate 
the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into some, like, some doctrine here and some, some important truths that, that we need to understand, that we need to remind ourselves of because they are so crucial and so important uh, to living successfully for Christ. But the Holy Spirit is really the key. Uh, the only way that we're going to keep ourselves, that you are going to keep yourselves on track to keep yourselves from falling into the lies of the world, to keep yourself uh, keeping the focus on uh, the, the most important thing. Uh, listen, you're gonna have to uh, walk in, lean on, trust in the Holy Spirit who God says dwells, dwells within you to give you guidance and wisdom and discernment to walk through life successfully. You have that. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit uh, in a deeper way this morning. Um, But Paul's going to make that point clear for us really today and next week as well. And we're not going to do a full study on the Holy Spirit. So just, you know, know, some of you may walk up and be like, what about this pastor? What about that pastor? Well, this is not going to be an exhaustive study on the Holy Spirit. Um, But we are going to uh, talk about a few important things. And I want to remind you of that. We will get to uh, Galatians 3 uh, here in just a moment. But I want to remind you of just a little bit of the work of the Holy Spirit. Like, why would we say the Holy Spirit is key? Why is God, think of this, like the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm going to give you my spirit to walk with you in life. Like, why do we have that, right? And why is that important? Well, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in verses nine through 14. This is a really important passage of scripture. And there's others, okay, there's others. But this teaches us a little bit about the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit that you have right now. If you're a child of God, you've at some point in your life, you said yes to the offer of grace. God says, I'm gonna gift you eternal life through Jesus, the person and work of Christ. And you're like, yes, I've said yes to that. You right now, you have the spirit of God dwelling in you. And so Paul says this, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, if you're with us in our heaven series, this isn't just talking about like heaven, like, you know, it's, it's talking about all the spiritual things, all the things that we have in Jesus Christ that were one day kind of, they were, they were a mystery, like we didn't always understand them. Like the gospel was a mystery to uh, Old Testament saints in a way. Uh, but all of these things that we, we can't even imagine about who God is and what he is like and what he has prepared for us. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 10. These things, these things, what I just read to you, what no eye has seen, ear heard, heart of man imagined, these things God has revealed to us through who? Through his spirit, right? That God has actually revealed to you the hidden things of God through the Spirit of God who dwells with inside of you. Let's go on. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him, right? Like, only you know you, right? And what's going on in your heart, in your life. Um, and, And so also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, and we'll stop there. Those are some exciting truths. Like, you just can't gloss over the reality that you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, who knows the very mind of God, knows everything about God, knows the character of God, uh, what, what God is thinking right now about you, knows everything, and actually wants to impart that to you. And wants you to walk in such an intimate way with a God who died for you. It kind of raises the level of relationship, doesn't it? 
That like Christianity in church isn't about coming for an hour and sitting and listening to some guy, you know, slobbering whatever all over the pulpit. Um, it's more than that, right? It's this intimate relationship. And Paul so desperately wants uh, these people in Corinth to, to understand that, uh, that we have received this spirit of God to, re- to reveal truth to us, to point us to truth, uh, and to uh, enable us to understand truth and understand who uh, in, and how God works in our lives. You follow me so far? Right? Follow me so far? Okay, I got a, I got a few head nods. So um, let me give you just one more verse and then, and then we'll move on. In John 16, 13, again, talking about the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and why is this important? Why would you say that the Holy Spirit is the key to successful living and combating the lies and the false ideas in, uh, in the world today, right? Well, Jesus would say this, and this is before his ascension, right? post-resurrection, before his ascension to the Father. And this is what he says. When the spirit of truth comes, he hasn't come yet at this point, right? When the spirit of truth comes, so he's a spirit of what? Of truth, right? Spirit of truth. He will do what? He will guide you into all truth, right? Like chew on that for a while. Uh, You want to know what's true? You want to know what's false? You want to have discernment of what is true in the world and what is false in the world? The spirit of God is there to do that very thing. And Jesus goes on and says, for he will not speak of his, uh, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit of God in you right now wants to reveal truth and wants to guide you into truth. This is what you have. Now, that's important, okay? That's important to be uh, reminded of and to know as we get to Galatians chapter 3, because Paul's really going to elevate this idea in the hearts and minds of the Galatians. Like, look what you have, and look what you're trading it for. Look what you have, and what God has given you, and look what you're forfeiting, right? We talked about that in uh, the first few chapters, but what I want to do today is really go through these questions, and and answer these questions that Paul is addressing to the Galatian church because they are so applicable for us today. But remember, Holy Spirit's the key, right? Holy Spirit is the key. There's so much we could say about that. In fact, when we get to Galatians chapter five, uh, Paul will elevate this idea even more, and I'll just kind of whet your appetite. You know this, you've heard this. But Galatians five and verse 16, Paul says, but I say walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? It means to live by right, to live by every single day, dependently living, uh, walking in the spirit of God. And guess what will happen? And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a big, big statement, is it not? And, And we'll get to that. Galatians chapter five and verse 25. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, right? And, and again, we'll dive into those verses uh, when we get there, but they really help us illustrate the point that you cannot live successfully. You cannot navigate this world. And listen, the lies, can we all agree that there's lies in the world today, right? If Satan is the prince and power of this world, right? He is the father of lies. You can sure bet there's lies in the world, right? And as believers today, we need to be mindful of that. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us in that. And so Paul's got some questions. He's got some questions. Uh, And he's got questions because he's a little shocked, right, by their departure of the faith. In fact, that's what he said in in chapter 1 and verse 6, I'm astonished, right? Paul's like, I'm just like out of my mind. Um, I'm blown away uh, that you are so quickly deserting him, Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And so I got some questions. First question we're going to talk about today, uh, hopefully we'll get to two. (laughs) My hope was at least two. Um, But the first question is this, who's bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Verse number one, uh, Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now that's kind of an interesting way to put it, isn't it? 
Uh, who has bewitched you? That word bewitched, in, in fact, is a word that's only found in this verse in the entire Bible. You don't find it anywhere else. So Paul would say, you have become bewitched, right? You have become bewitched. But what, is it, what does it actually mean? The word bewitched in the original language means to charm someone, right? To charm someone. And it, not talking about like guys charming, you know, your wife, you know, before you were married. It's not that kind of charming. Maybe it was. I don't know. Like he totally deceived me. <laughs> 20 years later, I'm like living. I've been bewitched, you know. Um, maybe that, that's, I don't know. I, but that's not really what, what uh, I think is the, the idea here. Um, but it means to deceive by lies, to deceive by lies. And, and Paul's kind of like this, and, and, and he's speaking a, a little bit figuratively here, not literally. Paul's like, it's almost like you're under a spell, right? It, it's almost like you're walking through this world and you're completely bewitched, you're completely uh, charmed, and you're just, you're totally oblivious to the lies around you. Boy, is that ever applicable to, uh, to today, is it not? You have been bewitched. And, and Paul says this, and this is interesting, he says, for, for, for letting that happen, okay? You're a Christian, and, and know this, Paul is talking to a church, he's talking to Christians, he has confirmed their faith and their belief in the gospel. These aren't people who are wishy-washy about that. These are people who uh, had given their hearts, they had given their lives uh, to the gospel, they had believed, and Paul saw the fruit from that in their lives. And, and, and so Paul's like, you're a fool for allowing yourself to be deceived. You're a fool for allowing yourself to be charmed by the lies of the world. Uh, now that word fool is really an important word and I think it's important to define because it, it means this. It means lacking perception. Uh, I said this a few weeks back. I am so saddened by what I see in Christianity today. Not because I'm like on this high horse and I get it all figured out because I don't, okay? But what I'm saddened about is that we as the church today, we ha have not uh, had any kind of perception or discernment about what's happening in our world. And that's both saddening and maddening at the same time, is it not? That we would walk straight into the evil, that we would walk with the evil, that we would allow the evil to influence us. Church, we, we've got to have perception. Guess where perception and guess where discernment comes from? It comes from the Holy Spirit of God who dwells inside of you, right? And so Paul's like, who has bewitched you? Uh, and so this word, it, it means that you, someone said this, and I think it's, uh, I think it's important to, to kind of emphasize this. Someone said this, you, you have the power to think, but you fail to use your power of perception, right? Like you have in your pocket today the most powerful wisdom in all the world is called the Holy Spirit of God who dwells inside of you. And it's there. It's available to you. But it's almost like if we put it in our back pocket and we just never take it out, never access it. It'd be like if you had, you know, a million dollars in cash just sitting in your wallet. That would be a big wallet, right? You know, that'd be kind of weird, right? <laughs> Don't laugh, Deb. Sorry. Right? But it'd be like you had all this cash, and you just never used it. You never used the power of those funds, and the same is true when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We have all of this perception and discernment through, through God who wants to reveal it to us. First Corinthians 12, six says, we have the mind of Christ. Wow, right? Uh, Ephesians chapter four and verse 23 says, you have been renewed in the spirit of your mind. You have access 
perception and discernment. Paul says you're just not using it. And because of that, you have become a fool, right? Now that brings up, I think, kind of an, another important question and thought that we, we need to kind of answer this morning is, and it's, it's a simple question and it's a simple answer is, can Christians become bewitched, right? Like, can you as a Christian become charmed and, and deceived to believe some kind of lie. You're like, well, how can I, I have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of me and I have truth and I understand and I have the word of God. Is that even possible that you as a child of God can become bewitched? The short answer is absolutely. Open the pages of scripture and time and time and time again, you hear phrases and terminology like this, beware, be on guard, be alert, don't be deceived by the false ideas of the world. And we just kind of go through the world like, da-da-da-da-da, nothing's wrong, everything's fine, just go to church and go home. Don't be deceived. Let me give you one example, and it's found in Acts chapter 20, and I know we're in kind of all kinds of different places this morning. Uh, but Paul gives us a really good example. Um, and, and he is uh, speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he's about to leave these people that he had ministered to, this church that he had started. And, and he says something really, really important. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, right? Talking about the church. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Excuse me. Therefore, he says, be alert. Therefore, be alert. Now, what's interesting about this is that they're being bewitched, or they have the opportunity to become bewitched, right? But that bewitching, that deceit, those lies don't come from outside. They actually come from inside. And Paul says, I want you to be aware of that. They're, they're going to come in among you. They're, they're among yourselves, and they will arise men speaking twisted things. Therefore, be alert. Don't be deceived. Can I tell you something this morning? You should not believe what I say just because I said it. Just because I have a title and I have a degree and I stand here and have an audience doesn't mean you should believe me. You should believe the book. And you should walk out of here and say, is what he said true? And does it line up with scripture? See, what I'm afraid of is that we just kind of go through life and it's like, well, the pastor said it, so it must be true. No, that, that's not a good way to walk through life. Because Paul even said, even in the church, men will rise up speaking twisted things. It can happen. And, and so you and I have to be a people of maturity, walking daily in the spirit in order to combat the lies, in order to live successfully. And so Paul says, who bewitched you? Who bewitched you? Isn't it interesting that Paul asked that question? Uh, he knows the answer to it, but he wants them to vocalize it. He wants them to understand, look, this is what's actually happening. Let's open our eyes to the reality of what's happening around us. And of course, the answer uh, was the Judaizers, these, these Jews who came in and said, yay, Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. Like, it's not enough. Like, you need to kind of add to that. And these were people who were bringing uh, the Gentiles back uh, under the law, really under the law for the first time. Uh, David Guzik said this. He said, they're thinking, the Galatians, it was so clouded and so unbiblical that it seemed that some kind of spell had been cast over them. And we see that in, in really in modern America today, right? In the modern church today, that just like this bewitching, we're, just, we're, we're so unbiblical. We live in such an unbiblical uh, society that our eyes are clouded to what is true. And so again, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, uh, who has bewitched you? 
Uh, and then the second half of that verse, let me just make a quick comment about this. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, how, how is that even possible? Uh, because this is, this is post-crucifixion and post-resurrection. Where the, is Paul saying, like, you guys were there, you saw it, you were in the audience, you saw Jesus on the cross. Th- that's not what he's saying. They weren't there. And they didn't publicly see Jesus, physically see Jesus on, on, on the cross. But what he is saying is this, is that the gospel of Jesus, his crucifixion, his burial, his story of what he did was on public display for you to see. Uh, in, in fact, that word uh, publicly displayed is kind of an interesting phrase. It has the idea of being billboarded, billboarded. How many of you love billboards? You drive around and you're like, I just, they're so awesome. I don't know what it is. Like I did, those of you that are new, I didn't grow up in Montana. I grew up in Maine. I had never seen a billboard, like true, honest. Like you're like, you're so naive. You haven't traveled. I can't even believe it. I hadn't seen a billboard in my life until I moved to Springfield, Missouri. Been to Branson before? <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about, right? And like, what are, what is wrong with these people? And why are they ruining, ruining the scenery, right? Um, but a billboard's kind of hard to miss. Right? And I'm sure in Maine, there's probably billboards now. It's been a long time since I've been back there. But when you see a billboard, I mean, like, it's hard to miss. You see it, especially at night, right? It's like lit up, and it's just, it's there. You can't help but see it, right? A billboard. And obviously, they didn't have billboards like we have billboards today in the first and second, third century, right? But Paul is using this term for them to understand, like, there's no way you could miss this. There is no way from what you heard from me and from others, you could not have missed Christ crucified for your sins for salvation. You could not have missed the essence of the gospel message that it is free and not by works. It was billboarded for you. Who has bewitched you, Galatians? And so let me ask you just to consider a few questions Uh, this morning, and maybe these are questions that you can use. Life groups are starting today, and I know it's that introductory time, but maybe these are some questions that you can write down and actually uh, talk about in your group this morning. Can I just ask you point blank, are you being bewitched today by false ideas? Here's the problem with that question. The problem is we don't ask ourselves that question enough. We just kind of go through life like I've got it all together and I know the answers and, and, and we just walk through life and we don't ask ourselves, are there lies that I'm believing about the circumstances that I'm walking through in life? You see, we always have to point ourselves back to scripture. What is true? I can tell you, man, uh, through this circumstance that we're facing right now, we have to constantly look back. I have to constantly remind, what is true though about God? What is true about his faithfulness and his goodness and his love and his sovereignty and his grace? Despite what I'm feeling, what is true about him? Are you being bewitched by lies in the world today, by lies that you're believing, maybe about who you are as a person, about your physique, about your emotions, about your job, about your circumstances in life? What lies are you buying into that Satan is just like, I'll feed you more? And you just live in light of those lies. Don't be bewitched, church. Here's the second question I want you to think about this morning. Do you and can you think biblically regarding what's happening in our world today? Some of you might be like, no, I have no idea. And that's okay. 
Like, it's good to be like, this is where I'm at. Like, I don't know. Like, I love that. Please come and let's talk and hang out because, you know, often we think we know and we understand, but can you think biblically? If you can't, what needs to change in your life right now? You see, it's not just about this gathering right here. It's what you do personally as you leave this place. It is not my job to spoon feed you and make sure you have everything and you know everything and you understand everything. You, just like I do, have to walk out of this place and be like, what am I going to do in order to think biblically for me, for my, my wife, for my kids, to be able to interpret what's happening in the world today? God help us if we don't ask that question. God help us today if we don't start asking ourselves this question, am I thinking biblically about what's happening in the world today? Here's the third question, and that is this, is are you alert to the lies uh, that can so easily infiltrate the church. That kind of brings me back to don't believe what I say, Pastor Brad says, sorry, Pastor Brad. Um, don't just believe uh, because it's spoken from this pulpit that you and I would be alert, that we would be on guard, that we would question, just like the Bereans did, is it true and does it line up with scripture? I got to the first question and I had so much more to talk about. I actually have, you know, four more questions, but that's all we have time uh, for this morning. Like, oh, darn, um, that kind of stinks. So um, let, me, let me just kind of circle back, and uh, I am going to invite, once you guys come back up at this time, uh, our worship team, um, I'm going to circle back to uh, Jeremiah chapter 12, but the Holy Spirit, guys, key. The Holy Spirit is a key. Would you stand? Go ahead and stand with me. I'm a little out of practice. <laughs> Um, what do I do? Um, Holy Spirit's a key to combating lies and living successfully. That, that's not a hard thing to like understand, and you know it, and you've heard it. Probably the most difficult thing, though, is leaving here and walking in and living in and trusting in and relying moment by moment. God, I need your spirit today to help me through the trials in life. Jeremiah chapter 12 in verse five again, if you have raced with men on foot and they've wearied you, what are you racing in, combating with right now that you would say this is wearying, wearisome to me? It's overwhelming, it's a challenge, it's difficult. What race are you in right now in life that, that you would say, man, I can feel that. The guy's like, hey, trust me and lean more heavily upon my grace and lean more heavily upon my spirit in this moment because there's gonna come a time when the chariots are gonna roll out and it's gonna be more difficult. What will you do then? So you're building every step of the way. Your faith is being strengthened by these small little moments of God saying, are you gonna trust me in this? You're really gonna believe what you say you believe in this small thing? God wants to strengthen your heart. He wants to strengthen our church and the Holy Spirit. He dwells within you. Lean on him. Trust in him. Learn from him. Rest in him. Listen to him. You might say, Pastor, that's great, but how do I do that? Let me give you just one quick example before we uh, close in worship this morning. You know how you desire to be with your spouse? Like, I hope you do. Like, like, I hope you desire to be with your spouse. That you wake up and you look at each other in the morning and be like, oh, I just want to spend time with you. I want to know you. I, I, I want to 
uh, walk through life with you, all of these things, like, you know, we, we do this because we want to learn more about them. And we're just, we benefit so much from the relationship that we have with our spouse, with other people. Maybe you have a friend who's like, I can't wait to see them. The Holy Spirit of God is no different. That we would wake up tomorrow morning and just be like, God, I just want to know you. And I want to feel your presence because you promise to never leave me and to never forsake me. You are with me. You dwell within me. You want to guide me into truth. This is who you are, God, today. So you wake up tomorrow morning, that it would be the prayer of our hearts that we would say, God, I just want to know you more and I want to walk with you just like I walk with my friends and my spouse and the other people that I desire to know in life. God, I want to know, I want to feel, I want to love, I want to listen to your spirit within me today. Help me. And if you cry out to God, man, I'm telling you, God will come alongside you and wrap you in his wings in those moments and reassure you and comfort you and bring you joy in the peace of the, in peace in the midst of the storm. This is who he is. And it's a reality of what he wants to do in your life. How do you do it? Just walk with him, guys. And we'll talk more about that as we get further, but let me pray for you. And then we'll close with one last song. God, this morning, we're so grateful. God, we're so humbled. God, by your mercy, by your grace, by your forgiveness. God, that you didn't just come and, and give us the gospel and give us eternal life. It's not just about everything that we experience in heaven. Well, that's part of it, God, but there's so much to it now that we would walk in light of the truth that we possess through you. We're so grateful for it. And God, it's the very thing that other people look at our lives and say, wow, is it really true? Is it real? Do they really possess this Holy Spirit of God? God, may we reflect you to those around us that are groping in darkness and that are believing the lies of the world, that are blinded by Satan. Help us to be defenders of the gospel. And God, help us to walk in your spirit. Teach us, teach us about your spirit. God, help us to not be afraid to learn and grow in our knowledge and our understanding of your spirit working in and through us. We praise you. God, we want to worship you. But the words that we sing, they're not just words, but God, may it be worship from our heart that we would speak these words to you, not to one another, but to you, Father. We praise you in Christ's precious name.